Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And open forum Wednesday. Great to have you here on Listen Up. It is Grant Napier, and welcome your phone calls today. The uh, Kings are in Chicago. The final game before the All Star break for Sacramento. The Bulls have won four in a row, but uh, they have a lot of injuries, and we'll see if the Kings can uh, bounce back after that dismal performance forty eight hours ago against Brooklyn. Speaking of Brooklyn, very interesting. Uh, Adam Silver, and he is spot on about this the COVID law in New York, all right? Because Kyrie Irving can only play in the road games. He can't play in the home games. Here's what Adam Silver said. This law in New York, the oddity of it to me is that it only applies to home players. I think of ultimately that rule is about protecting people who are in the arena. It just doesn't quite make sense to me that an away player who was unvaccinated, can play in Barclays, but the home player can't. To me, that's a reason they should take a look at that ordinance. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it makes no sense. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it is beyond absurd. Like a lot of the other rules involving COVID in this country appear to be absolutely off kilter. I mean, it's terrible. I don't understand that. You know? I really don't. I mean, you're going to tell me that if you're an away player and you're not vaccinated, you can play in Barclays, but you can't if you're Kyrie Irving? I mean, that you know, we talk a lot about discrimination, right? Isn't that being discriminatory? It seems to me that's discrimination. That's what the hell that is. I'm not talking about racial discrimination. I'm just talking about ridiculous discrimination. I mean, it's awful. I mean, what the hell are you talking about here? You know? So I'm on an, uh, I'm on, I'm the road team and I'm not vaccinated, but yeah, I can play. But Kyrie Irving can't. Would someone explain the rationale behind that, please? Seriously. Ridiculous. Speaking of Adam Silver, I did a rant on this today. You ready for this? If you didn't see my rant today, you should go check it out. All right? Now, make sure you're not driving or near a cliff. Adam Silver was talking about the press conference of James Harden and Ben Simmons following their trades. All right. Quote, he told this to Yahoo Sports, by the way. I did watch a little bit of James and Ben's press conference earlier today. 
And you're reminded that when you see them sitting up there on those podiums doing these interviews, these are human beings who, in both cases, have gone through very stressful situations. I wish the gentleman that he was talking to, Vincent Goodwill, interrupted him and said, uh, what stressful situations have they gone through? James Harden makes $41 million a year. Ben Simmons makes $29 million a year. James Harden was a malcontent in Houston, forced his way out. He wanted to go to Brooklyn. Now he goes to Brooklyn, and no one wants him in the locker room. You know, he's a disaster. He wants to get out of Brooklyn. He goes to Philadelphia, and we're supposed to feel sorry for him because he's going through a very stressful situation. I got to feel sorry for Ben Simmons because he got his feelings hurt after the playoffs last year and didn't report to camp. And then when he finally got his ass into Philadelphia, Doc Rivers had to kick him out of practice for being unprofessional. I'm really like, I'm supposed to have compassion for those two guys because they have gone through very stressful situations. Yeah, it's really stressful, really stressful, Adam. Commissioner went on and said this, you want people to feel at the end of the day, they have outlets for their stress that they can be productive within their work setting. But I'm not surprised that we've seen some heightened flare-up of some issues, you know, that might have otherwise been handled behind closed doors, but this is not the way I would have liked to see it happen. So Adam Silver says, you want people to feel at the end of the day that they have outlets for their stress. Kind of like James Harden when he gets on his private plane and flies to his favorite strip club in his favorite city. That's... You know, it seems to me he's able to handle the stress just fine. That must be very stressful, making a phone call and having your private jet waiting for you where you can go anywhere you want. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how he does it. I really don't. Man, the stress has just got to be unbearable. Really does. It's got to be unbearable. I don't know how he does it. I don't, I don't know how he plays basketball with that kind of stress. I really don't. I don't know how Ben Simmons, you know, who's making $29 million a year for doing nothing, I'm not really sure how he's handling and managing all of that stress. Very stressful situation, as Adam Silver said. Very stressful situation. Well, I really hope that all of us listening this afternoon never have to go through anything that stressful. I, I really don't. I really don't. I, I, I mean that. I just, boy, that would be awful. That would be absolutely awful to have to go through that kind of stress. I don't wish that on my worst enemy, you know? I really don't. I do not wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, I'm really hoping that these guys are going to be okay. I really mean that. I hope they're going to be okay. You know, that kind of stress, these type of situations, I feel for them, boy. You know, I feel for James Harden, who every game, you ready for this? Every game, even when he has a Tight hamstring, as they say, every game. He makes $500,000, whether he plays or whether he doesn't play. I don't know how he's doing it. I really don't. Boy, these stressful situations, as Adam Silver pointed out to Yahoo Sports, boy, what a bitch, seriously. I mean, you just have to hope that these guys are going to be able to make it. 
I, I just really hope that they're going to be able to get through the year with these stressful situations. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Great job by the commissioner to point that out. As you say, you just can't make this stuff up. You really can't. You really can't. All right, hey, if you want to get in on the program today, raise your hand, hit that hand icon, and I'll put you right up on stage with me. I hope that you are as compassionate as I am towards these athletes that are going through very stressful situations. I just can't even imagine how stressful that would be going from Brooklyn to Philadelphia, having the Nets appease you and grant your wish to be traded. Not really sure how they handle this, but I wish them the very best of luck. I really do. I hope that they get through this. I really hope they get through all of this. Brian, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with your rant on Harden. You know, if the guy, guys like him in the NBA just turn me off so much on today's athlete or, or, or guys like him in today's world of athletes who act that way. Uh, and honestly, between Harden and, and Simmons, I mean, take your pick on what they're doing. Harden, I actually have a little bit more uh, dislike for because, you know, here's a guy who couldn't get it done with Houston, you know, choked many times in the playoffs and, and does what he does to get out of Houston and to do it again. It's just like, come on. How, how do you like an athlete like that? I mean, it's just, it's just an awful example of what an athlete should be, a pro athlete should be. You know, I, when I hear stuff like this, I have even more respect for someone who like Steph Curry, who's been the consummate professional over the years. And I just, I have, you know, not a Warriors fan, but I just really appreciate his professionalism and what he's done over the years. And, you know, speaking of, you know, KD was another guy I didn't really care for when he couldn't get it done with uh, Russell and left and joined the Warriors, the team that he couldn't get past. It's just stuff like that. Yep. Like when these athletes do that, I just don't understand. You know what I mean? James, James Harden is an embarrassment to the league. I mean, he really is. I agree with you about Steph Curry. I, I feel the same way about Damian Lillard. There are a lot of guys that I would love to pay money to go watch because I have a lot of respect for them, and those are two right there. I have zero respect for James Harden. I think he's a disgrace. I think he's an absolute embarrassment for the league. And you know what else is embarrassing? That the members of the national media are too afraid to speak up and call the guy out. Uh, it's ridiculous. You don't see any of the national people you know, call James Harden out. Maybe Stephen A. Smith, but I'm talking about, you know, the writers, uh, the other uh, members of the media. James Harden just gets a free pass all the time. He got a free pass with getting out of Houston. He's giving a, he's getting a free pass for what he did in Brooklyn by the media. I, I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't understand how the members of the national media continue to give this guy a pass. He's an embarrassment to the league. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate the phone call. Hey, if you want to get in on the program, all you need to do is raise your hand. I'll put you up on stage, and you can join me. Open forum Wednesday, and we get to Cody. Hello, Cody. Hi, hi, Grant. Hey, Cody. Um, I wanted to ask you about the New York Football Giants. Yep. Um, are you happy with Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony on on the Giants? No, I'm not. I thought they were both terrible picks. Uh, you don't draft a running back uh, number two in the draft 
when you are as bad as the Giants were, and it didn't make any sense to me. So I'm not Tony. I'm not sure about yet. You know, he's only had one year in the league, but I thought that drafting Barkley where they did made absolutely zero sense to me, made no sense to me. You don't take a running back that high. You can take a running back in the second and third round. They can be just as effective. You build your offensive line. You have to get a pass rusher. That draft made no sense to me at all. I I felt like Saquon Barkley was like the next Barry Sanders coming out of college. Probably one of the best prospects I've ever seen at running back. Well, you can't be a good running back in the NFL when you have one of the worst offensive lines in football. So, you know, that's the issue. That's why I would have built the offensive line first. See, to me, if you have a really good offensive line, you can take a quote-unquote average back and make that average back into a very good back. If you have a bad offensive line, if you have a great running back, that great running back becomes average at best. It makes no sense to me. Okay. Did you see when Saquon tore his ACL? I believe it was versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh Yeah, I saw it. he was just getting drilled. They were coming through that line. I felt bad for him. And he was trying to shake off tackles the best he could. But I, I believe the best of Saquon Barkley is still ahead. Well, that's I, the I, same I, thing with Daniel Jones. You don't know whether Daniel Jones is good or not because he's played behind a, a awful offensive line. You know, as far as Barkley, you know, with the best ahead, you got to remember the shell life of running backs is not that long. And so I, I don't really know if the best is ahead. I mean, yes, he still has yeah. potentially – a couple of good years left, but if they don't fix that offensive line, it really won't matter. Okay. I, I think they drafted one recently, didn't they? Yeah, they drafted the uh, rookie uh, tackle out of Georgia last year in Thomas, or two years ago. He actually played better this past year after a slow start, um, but they, they, they need to retool their right tackle. You know, Nate Solder is horrible. Their guards are horrible. <laughs> uh, they need They need to really revamp that entire line. All right. And the last thing I wanted to ask you, Grant, was you said you went to the uh, Giants Super Bowl versus the Bengals? Or, no, sorry, against the, the Broncos, Broncos in 1986-87. Uh, and then I took uh, my boys to the Super Bowl that the Giants last won in Indianapolis against the Patriots. The Giants never played the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Yeah, okay. Did you get any chance to go when the Giants played Buffalo Bills? No, I didn't go to that one in Tampa. Or the Baltimore Ravens? Nope, I didn't go to that one either. I only went to the two I told you about, the game in the Rose Bowl in 1987 and the game uh, in Indianapolis the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl. Was your work interfering maybe? No, no, I went as fans. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Grant. Hey, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, if you want to get in on the program, all you have to do is hit your hand icon, raise your hand, Uh, and do it. I've always said this, and now it's – I don't even know how anyone affords to go to the Super Bowl, but if your team is in the Super Bowl and you get the chance to go, go. It truly is a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's just amazing to be at the Super Bowl. It really is. I mean, if your team's playing – I wouldn't want to go to the Super Bowl if my favorite team wasn't there. I mean, if the Giants aren't in the Super Bowl, I would have no – I actually could have gone to other Super Bowls when I had a press pass and I didn't want to go because the Giants weren't in it. So I elected to go home on Friday instead of staying for the game because I have no desire to go to the Super Bowl and watch two teams that I don't care for. I mean, I just wouldn't. Now, if you get an opportunity, though, to go watch the Super Bowl when your favorite team is in it, go. But I, again, the prices are absolutely absurd, ridiculous, just ridiculous.
All right, so if you want to talk about any of the things that I brought up, the uh, COVID ridiculous rule in New York, which has been going on for a while, makes zero sense. Zero sense. There, again, there are a lot of things that make zero sense to me with COVID. Really, a lot of things that make – like, I got to tell you, I fly a lot. It makes zero sense to me that you got to wear your mask on the airplane, but if you're sitting there for 15 minutes, you know, drinking and eating, you don't have to have your mask on and, like, okay, really? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That really makes a lot of sense. Have your mask on, but, okay, everybody on the plane, you can take your mask off as we've just served beverages and snacks, and no one needs to have their mask on. That makes a lot of sense. Just stupidity. You know, actually, being on an airplane is one of the safest places you can be. It's much safer than being at a game. It's much safer than being at the supermarket. It's much safer than being on the train or wherever else. So it's, 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 it, it, again, a lot of things don't make sense. But that, that in New York makes absolutely zero sense. Seriously. Absolutely stupidity is what that is. Stupidity. Speaking of stupidity, we could talk about Major League Baseball, right? Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report yesterday. Here we are on February 16th, and no deal. Nothing. No talks planned. Uh, you know, we heard that Major League Baseball is seeking cuts to minor league jobs. We've heard that they're trying to tweak the tax rules and the minimum salary. And, you know, well, we don't care. No one cares. All we care about is getting a deal done and playing. That's it. That's all. We don't care. We don't care about your tax rules. We don't care about the minimum salaries. We don't care about any of that. We don't care. There's not. There's no baseball fan that gives a damn about what you're haggling over. No one cares. Period. You know, get to the bargaining table and don't leave until you have a deal. That's it. Other than that, we don't care. I don't know why anybody would care. Spring training games, by the way, are supposed to start in 10 days. Yeah, I don't think so. February 26th is when spring training games were supposed to start in Arizona and Florida. Guess what? That's not happening. Ridiculous. Just stupidity. But we are talking about Major League Baseball. I mean, we talk a lot about, or I talk a lot about Roger Goodell, and I think there needs to be new leadership in the NFL. You know, Rob Manford, really? In in 2022, with everything that's gone on and the pandemic, and, and, and you're going to, you know, be in charge of a sport that can't get a deal done. And I understand it takes two sides to tango. I get that. But you're the commissioner. Make it happen. Can you imagine sitting having this conversation in the middle of March if there's no deal? Terrible. Seriously. Hard to believe. It really is to me hard to believe that here we are on February 16th and there's no deal. And and not only is there no deal, it doesn't appear that there's a deal in sight. Unbelievable to me. 
All right, NBA All-Star Game this weekend. Games tonight in the association. Atlanta is at Orlando. Detroit at Boston. Washington travels to Indiana. The Knicks host the Nets. Kings, as we mentioned, are in Chicago. Portland at Memphis. Memphis beat New Orleans last night. Portland beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee on Monday night. Toronto travels to Minnesota. Oklahoma City hosts San Antonio. You have Phoenix at home to Houston. And Denver is at Golden State. So you got the All-Star game this weekend. Only, I think there are five games tomorrow to wrap up the unofficial first half. Miami is in Charlotte tomorrow. Washington travels to Brooklyn. New Orleans is home to Dallas. Philly is at Milwaukee. And Houston is in L.A. to take on the Clippers. So there you have it. That is your final games before the All-Star game this weekend. Now, as far as the Kings go tonight, they're taking on a Chicago team that has won four in a row, but they've got a lot of injuries. And the Bulls had to really fight and claw to get back into the game the other night when they beat San Antonio 120-109. They were trailing for most of that game. And when you look at the Bulls and their injuries, this is a really good opportunity for Sacramento to win. Zach Levine is out. Lonzo Ball is out. Alex Caruso is out. Patrick Williams is out. Uh, Now they list uh, Javante Green, a small forward, as probable. But this is a good opportunity. Good opportunity for Sacramento to go into the Windy City and get a win. I know I'm speaking crazy when I talk like that, but, you know, again, you know, again, getting green back will help Chicago. Uh, DeRozan's the real deal. Vucevic is very good. But, you know, without Levine, that's a big loss. Without Ball, without Caruso, but you, got, you better play a hell of a lot better than you did the other night in Brooklyn. That's for darn sure. That's for darn sure. You know, when you look at the uh, Eastern Conference and you look at the Bulls, they are tied with Miami at 37-21. and 21. They've won 7 of 10. They've won 4 in a row. Miami is, as we said, in Charlotte tomorrow. Milwaukee is lurking at 36-23, and 23, tied with Cleveland. Then when you get to the bottom, you got Atlanta at 27 and 30 and Washington at 26 and 30. So 30 losses get you in 10th. And then it's the Knicks, the Pacers, the Magic, uh, and the Pistons. In the West, 24 and 34 gets you in 10th. 35 losses has you at 11th. 36 losses, 12th. And the Kings with 37 losses in 13th. Now, Portland plays at Memphis tonight. Good chance they're going to lose. Grizzlies have won six in a row and are 41-18. and So if that holds up, then Portland would have 35 losses. San Antonio plays Oklahoma City. And if the Spurs lose, they would have 37 losses. You know, it's pretty embarrassing to talk about these records trying to get into the 10th spot. It really is. It's awful. 10 games under 500 gets you into the play-in tournament. 
I mean, is that really what the NBA wants? You want that? All right, hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and we will put you right on here on Listen Up. Back with you tomorrow again at 3 o'clock and the same on Friday. Now that we don't have the NFL, we'll uh, get into some other topics uh, as well. We can talk about anything you want. Today's an open forum Wednesday, so you can ask me whatever you want. You want to keep it to sports, fine. You want to deviate and go off sports, that's fine, too. Let's get to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Good, Grant. How are you doing? Good, buddy. So I was thinking, what two teams from each conference in the NBA do you think is the most, um, I guess, disappointing? Mine were the Knicks and the Lakers. What you know that aren't compet that aren't as competitive as they were kind of you know last year. Yeah, I would say well, the I would pick the Knicks as the number one team. They were fourth in the East, and they're twenty five and thirty three. And there's a big article today in the New York Post about you know firing Tom Thibodeau which is just unbelievable based on how good New York was, you know, last year. So I, I would agree with you in picking the Knicks uh, out of the East. The other team I would pick out of the East are the Atlanta Hawks, who right. were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And in the West, obviously, it's the Lakers. I mean, there's no reason that they should be ninth at 26 and 31. I absolutely agree with you on that. Right. Okay, well, I was, that was my yeah. question. That was my thought of the day. Thank and they, you. And the two surprise teams to me, one okay. is the Bulls, all right? I mean, the Bulls right. restocked their team, and it's paid right. off. And the other team, the Memphis right. Grizzlies. I knew Memphis would be pretty good, Jeff, but they're 41-18, and 18, all right? They are 41-18. and 18. They have the third best record in the entire NBA. Think about that. And, and what, so they got, what, one all-star? Uh, yeah, Morant. Yep. Well, I mean, Morant. I'm sorry, John Morant. Yep. And, but uh, DeRozan, that guy, he's a stud. He carries yes, the he team is. now. Yes, he carried the team the other night. That's why they beat uh, the Spurs. Spurs. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, the number one assignment for Sacramento tonight. You know, if they were able to contain DeRozan, then I think the Kings will win the game tonight. If DeRozan goes off like he did the other night, then they won't. I mean, you know, without Levine, without Ball, without Caruso, I mean, you you know, you everyone knows the game plan going in. You have to somehow uh, try to slow down uh, DeRozan. So, you know, we'll see. Right. You know, the, Jeff, another interesting thing, and we – Again, it's going to take two or three years to really get the full, uh, I guess, take on whether the trade was good or not. But you know what? Tyrese Halliburton has had some really good games so far in his first two games for Indiana. He's exactly what they wanted, and he's put up some really nice numbers for the Pacers. I've seen that. Did he get a triple-double the other night? Or I don't finish? think he had a triple-double, but he had uh, very high assist points. He's shooting the ball well, and tonight yeah. they're home. Uh, against Washington, but just reading on, and again, you got to be careful of making too many assumptions based on two games, but I've been reading a lot of really good things from the folks in Indiana about Halliburton. They really like him. Well, he's a good kid. I, yeah, I wish him a lot. I yep. wish, I mean, the kid, I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about character, you know, and yeah, it's top, I think, top shelf, you know, you know, um, DeMarcus, he had no character and, you know, and, some of these other guys, they have no character. Even LeBron James, like you've said, with his social media stuff and everything. I mean, that's one thing Halliburton. Yeah, he's he a, a class good, a. He a. Yep. He was a good kid. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great night. All right. You too. I mean, he is. He's, there's really nothing you can say bad about Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, he's a, he's a true pro. True pro already in the second year. Nico, welcome to the show, Nico. What's up, Grant? How we doing, my man? Good. 
good, Nico. How are you? I'm all right. My man just getting off work, you know, back in California, enjoying a beautiful sun. Can't complain. Good, good for you, buddy. That's right. That's right. So I kind of just jumped in here a little bit ago. I kind of caught the tail end of the MLB stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to pick your brain, man. Um, you know, Barry Bonds and, the, you know, the Hall of Fame inductee, you know, whole process. With your background, professional sports, I mean, as long as you've been in the game, dude, I mean, what's your opinion on all that, man? What's up? Because uh, before you answer real quick, my, my whole thing is uh, what confuses me is how some guys get in, some guys don't, the steroid, you know, saga with all that. Some guys, you know, are not, I guess, shunned, and some guys are given the pass. Like, what's your take on all that stuff, man? Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, and I am a not a Barry Bonds fan. Um, I was around him enough. I despise the man. He was as disrespectful as any professional athlete I've been around. So as a person, I'm not a fan of him. But if I were voting, yeah. Nico, if I if I had a vote, I would vote to put him into the Hall of Fame. Now I'm okay with waiting two or three years because of you know the steroids and the lying and everything. I'm okay with like okay, don't get in at a first ballot, get in on the third try or the fourth try. But here in 2022, not to have Bonds in the Hall of Fame is ridiculous. It's just absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 def it defies logic to me. I don't understand it. And again, I don't like the man. I was not, I, I was in his presence enough. I thought he was a despicable person. However, I would vote for him to go into the hall. He should be in the hall of fame. He's a hall of fame player. Yeah. See, and that's my take on it too. I mean, overall, I, you know, I, I clearly, sorry about that. I don't know nearly or have the background that you do, but I just, it's just, it's just mind boggling to me that, you know, somebody his stature, and, you know, his his statistics is being held out. And I think ma the main thing for me is the fact that, I mean, I mean, I think we all know, you know, the truth about the whole steroid thing. But he never fully, to my knowledge, ever got indicted. I mean, proven guilty of using using, you know what I mean, in comparison to some of these other guys. So that always was just a huge head scratcher to me, man. I, I still can't grab, grab, like wrap my head around that. Well, you know, I, I think that the vast majority of baseball fans feel that he should be in. They feel that Clemens should be in and the others, Kurt Schilling. I mean, we can go on and on. Right, right, uh, And it's right. kind of, yep. you know, it's kind of hypocritical that David Ortiz gets in and Bonds doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, man. And one more thing, since we're talking about baseball. Um, yep. You know, going back to just the kind of contradiction stuff, it's like, who was it a few years back that got caught cheating for the World Series? Was that the Royals? The Houston Astros. The Astros. It's like, dude, you know, these guys are caught red-handed. You know, I'm, I'm not a big, huge fan enough, and it's just like stuff like that. And they're still, you know, they're still able to keep their World Series title. Granted, they got disciplined and they got some penalty, yep. penalties and whatnot. But it's just like kind of what you're kind of touching on with the, you know, the, the lockout, the new lockout, I guess. Yes. It's just the baseball has got to get it together, dude. I don't understand, man. I don't either, and it's really – I mean, now that football's over, a lot of us turn our attentions, you know, to spring training. We get excited. I know a lot of people actually, you know, have spring training trips. If you live out in California, a lot of people like going to Arizona for a couple of days and watching the games and obviously in Florida. And now, you know, there are no plans because there are no games. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. Right on, Grant. I'll let you back to it, man. Right on for the call, buddy. Hey, have a great one. Thank you. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, you too, man. Yep. Good stuff, Nico. Appreciate it. You know, again, the lockout officially began on December 2nd, and I was reading an article yesterday, uh, I believe it was ESPN, I think it was Jeff Passan, talking about 
very little progress. And they were trying to figure out what's going to happen next because there are currently no plans for the next bargaining session. None. And based on the last meeting, Jeff Passan was saying it does not seem like the sides are getting any closer. So, I mean, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? I know that they did a question and answer. I'm bringing the article up right now. He did a story, Jeff Passan and Jesse Rogers. And one of the questions was, how concerned should fans be at this point? And the response was quite. At the meeting Saturday, MLB set a deadline to make a deal in time to salvage opening day of February 28th. They say, though, that's a soft deadline. If an agreement came together on March 3rd, it's difficult to imagine the league wouldn't be ready by March 31st. At the same time, it gives two sides that are meeting infrequently two weeks to figure out how to bridge a massive financial gap in a way that's palatable to an angry group of players and an unwavering group of owners. This is not 1994 yet, but in rhetoric and trajectory, it's starting to feel an awful lot like 1981 when a midseason player strike took out more than a month of the season, canceling 713 games. How about that? So, pretty bad, right? Pretty bad. I wouldn't be planning on baseball anytime soon. That's for sure. I really wouldn't. All right, let's get to Forrest. Hello, Forrest. How are you today? Hello, Grant, on a Wednesday. Hello, Forrest, on a Wednesday. Thank you. I, uh... I grew up in a baseball town um, in Lewiston, Idaho, up in the panhandle of Idaho, and the Lewis Clark Warriors were NAIA uh, World Series champions for many years. They, I think they won six in a row, something like that. They hosted the World Series there in the small town of Idaho. It's 30,000 people. Um, so grew up in baseball. My, uh, my grandfather uh, got me a subscription to the Sporting News, the, you know, the uh, sure. baseball Bible. Yep. And uh, I think it was eight years old. I read that thing cover to cover, knew all the stats and things. And then um, I've been to many Dodger games and Major League Baseball sent out a survey here a couple months ago that I got. Um, I filled out the survey and they were asking about a strike and all of these things. And I was brutally honest. I just said, you know, the analytics has ruined the game. Um, I like home runs as much as anybody else. But if they strike, I don't really care. If I miss baseball, 162 games, 82 games to go to, you know, it's just saturated. There's too much. Yeah. And, and I really don't, uh, you know, I'm ambivalent about whether or not there's baseball. Cause I, I, I love going over to Scottsdale over to Arizona for spring training. And I feel bad for all of the uh, people that rely on that income. Well, I'm right with you. Uh, it, it, it's an absolute disgrace what's going on. Hey, while, while I have you here, I hope you don't mind. I don't, I don't do this to, but uh, I've been listening to your podcast on wine, and I want to just pass that on. I think that you do a phenomenal job with that. And feel free to let everyone know here on Listen App how they can listen, because I think it's outstanding. Very short vignettes, five and six minutes long. I, I think you do a great job with that. So let everyone know how they can listen to it. 
<laughs> well, thank you, Grant. It's it's wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Google or wherever. It's just called the Best Five Minute Wine Podcast, and I just uh, pick wineries throughout and you know condense it down to five minutes, little snippets about wine and whatever the uh, particular winery is doing. And um, it's something you know I love interviewing people. I don't drink wine. Um, my wife does, but um, I just love the curiosity of what it takes to go in to make you know to grow just from grape to the glass. And it's just amazing what they can do with these. <laughs> and the, the biggest thing that I found in doing this was their objective is to give as much or, or as, as little water as possible to the vine. They want to stress that vine. That's why they have um, wineries on hillsides and different things. Yep. And, and just to stress that out and to see what happens. And it's, it's just pretty much amazing. It's, you know, it, it kind of mirrors life in its sense. You know, earlier you, you mentioned about uh, James Harden and uh, the commissioner saying that these guys are doing that. And I'm thinking all of their problems, about 90% of them are self-induced. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, back, back to wine for a minute. I was fascinated. I was in Napa uh, this past June and I just really started to get into wine recently. I've always been, when I do drink, I was always been a beer guy, but anyway, um, it was very interesting talking to the uh, people at the wineries, the effect that all of the recent fires have had on the vines, the smoke, you know, not even, you know, and they were explaining to me the damage that the smoke does to the grapes and everything else. And I thought it was fascinating. Uh, I learned a lot just by asking questions. Um, but there's so much to learn about wine, the soil. You know, different regions of Napa have different wines. And, you know, I'm only speaking Napa here. I mean, obviously wines, uh, you know, Italy, France, you know, we can go on and on. But I, w I learned a lot. I was fascinated by all of that. Thank you. And I appreciate that. What did, were they saying that it's going to be a detriment with the uh, the smoke on the vine? Yeah, the well, if, if the fires are like we've had the fires the last few years in that region, uh, right. And yeah, the smoke, uh, it, it goes right through the skin of the grapes. Yeah, because they are, yeah, when yeah. people think grapes, it's yep. not your table grape. It's no. very thin, thin yep. skin on those. <laughs> but anyway, I really enjoyed listening to a couple of your podcasts. I, th I think you do a great job with that. Thank you. And uh, are you using the Roadcaster now? Uh, not right now. As a matter of fact, I sent you an email earlier. I'm doing a test on it tomorrow. Okay. Okay, because it, it, it sounded clear today. Your microphone yep. sounded really, really clear. Well, I'm going to try uh, out the Roadcaster tomorrow, and I'll keep you posted. I, I would be interested. I know there's uh, – last time I checked, you had 40 people in the room, but I, I was just wondering how many out of the 40 with thumbs up or thumbs down on baseball. If you're you know, like kind of like me where it's like I'm on the tipping point of uh, just whatever, you guys, you multimillionaires, whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. – care one way or another i don't think a lot of people that i've talked to are really going to miss baseball until we get to april like right now i don't think people care that much although very interesting i was doing a show yesterday with sean salisbury on no filter network and sean works in houston and he said that that's something that they talk about at great length every morning his station carries the astros games he said that people in houston talk about it all the time and that they're up in arms about it. And he said it is a real big deal. Houston's a pretty good baseball town. And he was telling me that it's a huge topic of discussion in Houston right now, which I found to be very interesting. 
Yeah, I, I could see that because Houston's what top yep. five market. Yep. And so they've got people, and, and then the Rockets are down a little bit. So yes, there's you know there's no interest in any other really anything else to do in Houston. I've been there many times. I'm sure you have as well. And <laughs> it's not like yep. Southern California where we've got plenty of options. Thanks, Forrest. Have a good rest of the day. Thank you, Grant. Take care. Bye bye. Good stuff right there. If you want to get on, all you got to do is hit your hand icon, and I will put you on just like we did with Forrest. All right, if you want to uh, get on, it's Tony. Hello, Tony. You're next. Take it away, Tony. Hey, Grant. How are you doing today? Good, Tony. Thanks for calling. Hey, uh, hey. I want to talk about, uh, I don't know if you're following much, uh, NFL offseason, which I basically we're just kind of getting into it, but the Raiders are talking to extending Derek Carr. I want to get your, uh, uh, your take on that. Well, if you don't, what are you going to do with quarterback? I mean, yeah, my feeling exactly. Right. And I, I thought Cora had, a, a, for the most part, a really good season. Uh, to me, he's the biggest reason why they made the playoffs. And I think now with Josh McDaniel coming in with McDaniels, I think that, OK, you owe it to the organization uh, to see how that marriage goes. And again, Cora's pretty good. Uh, who are you going to get that's better? That's the bottom line. What are you going to do if you don't have Cora? What direction are you going to go in? Yeah, exactly. What do you you, you draft somebody uh, and then this is you're, not you're a good draft away. this year for quarterbacks. Exactly, and then you're several years away, and I don't think they're uh, Josh McDaniels and, and the new uh, GM there wants wants to start all over again. I don't think so. You know, I think McDaniels wouldn't have taken the job uh, if that were the case. I really believe that. I think McDaniels took the job feeling that you know he could work with Derek Carr and move him up a notch on the ladder. Agreed. Agreed. And hey, as far as baseball, yeah, I don't. Um, I, I am a baseball fan, but I really don't care. As far as I can concern, they can start after the All Star break, and let's just have that part of the season. I'm with you. Thank you very much, Tony. Thanks, Grant. Yep. Take care. All right. Hey, uh, if you want to get in on the program, all you got to do is hit that hand icon, uh, and we'll be happy to do it. I don't think Pink Daniels goes and takes the Raiders' job if they're moving in a different direction with the quarterback. And again, if you're not going to have Carr, then what do you do? I mean, do you bring Garoppolo over? Seriously, I mean, what do you do? How many quarterbacks would you would you try to get Aaron Rodgers? Hey, if you were able to get Aaron Rodgers, just hypothetically, does that put the Raiders as the team that beat in the AFC? Does it put them over Buffalo and over Kansas City? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Obviously, it makes them better. We do know that. Would you do that if you're the Raiders? Roll the dice? If McDaniels feels that you can't go to the next level with Carr? I mean, that that's about your only option. You know? That's about your only option. All right, if you want to hit the uh, hand icon and come on with me, let's do it in open form Wednesday. We can talk about anything that you want here on Listen Up, and we're going to check in right now with another caller, and we say hello to E-Train. E-Train, go ahead. You're on How with you Grant. Doing? Good. How are you? Hey, um, got a question for you. In the NBA, why do you think the league refuses to address the problem with uh, teams resting players? They have uh, tried to address it. They've actually uh, done several things, including making sure that players don't sit out on nationally televised games and other things, but they need to do more. You know, I talked about earlier this year when Steve Kerr arrested all the guys up in Toronto. You know, you only play in Toronto once a year. You shouldn't be resting your players 
in Toronto. It was at the end of a road trip, but I didn't like that. It does. Those are the things that really bother me. The league does and has tried to address that. Trust me, they really do. Well, I got to tell you, you know, tickets are so expensive. And, you know, when you buy a ticket, you don't know who's going to be on the floor. It's really discouraging as a fan to roll the dice to expect the superstars to be on the floor. It's terrible. It's awful. I mean, it really is, especially if you are in a market like, for instance, you know, when LeBron James played in Cleveland, if you were in Sacramento, he played once a year. All right. So that's a huge ticket. It's the number one ticket of the year. And it didn't happen to the best of my knowledge, but can you imagine, you know, if they sat LeBron James out for his only appearance in Sacramento or when Michael Jordan used to come in, Michael used to play every year. It just, it's, it's a bad look for the league. It really is. Well, I got to tell you, even if I'm at home, I'm going to turn the TV off and not watch the game if they don't have the, the, you know, the starters on the floor. Yeah, I mean, Greg Popovich is the one that really started all of this and made it fashionable, and it was really bad for the league. And then other coaches followed suit. And, you know, the reality is without you and without me and without TV, the players don't have jobs. They're not making money. So they are entertainers. When you stop entertaining the customers, then you have a problem. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Grant. All right, thank you. But trust me, the league does, the league does hate it too. And they've tried to fix the problem. They really have. But, you know, when a coach wants to sit out a player, what's the league going to do? It's, it's a bad look for the league. It really is. It is a, it's bad. You know, I've talked about that. It's, you should not be able to rest a player on the road if you're only there once a year. You just shouldn't. It's bad for the league. And I don't understand that. I do not understand that. Rest them at home. You got 41 games. Or if you go to a city twice, okay. But if you're only there once, to me, you should not be able to sit down a player for rest. It's a bad, bad look for the league. All right, hey, if you want to come on the program, hit that hand icon, and we'll do it. We'll put you right on uh, 3 o'clock tomorrow, 3 o'clock on Friday as well. I'd be curious, what is your sports viewing like what are your what's your sports habits now that football is done and have you been watching the olympics at all i gotta tell you i've been trying to watch the olympics a little bit at night it puts me to sleep it's awful i mean it really is i i never realized how many snowboarding events there are i mean it seems like you know you got snowboarding they're jumping off houses they're going over railroad tracks you know they're doing i mean i've never i, I didn't even realize that there were so many snowboarding events. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. I turn the TV on and I'm like, what am I watching? You know, I'm seeing guys do, you know, twists and, you know, four spins in the air and somersaults coming off. I'm like, what am I watching here? I didn't even realize that. Seems like every four years, the Olympics, they've got new events. You know, I can watch that for like 10 minutes and then I'm like, okay, I've seen it. Next. I, I don't get it. I, I've really, I've not, I can't get through it. You know, I do, I love the downhill. So I've watched the skiing, both the men's and the women's uh, downhill and the, uh, the super G I, I liked, you know, but man, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to get into the Olympics and I, the winter Olympics, I just can't do it. You know, I watched a little of the figure skating last night and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to bed. Seriously. I'm like, I'm done. 
I'm like, I'm out of here. Let's get to Eli. Hello, Eli. Hey, Grant. How are you doing? Good, Eli. What's happening? Good. I, I have to agree with you on the Olympics. I mean, I haven't watched it really at all. And part of my concern with it is just a lot of the corruption involved, as well as it taking place in China, which we know has issues. So I haven't been yep. watching it. Um, I've been watching pretty much basketball only at this point. Um, so that's that's kind of where I've been at. So I agree with you on the Olympics aspect. But You know, I've been watching uh, a lot of hockey. Uh, I try to watch hockey. Or I love hockey. So me personally... I get my sports fix by watching mostly hockey. And again, Eli, like you, I've tried to watch the Olympics because it is the Olympics. But, uh, you know, I watched the bobsled a little bit last night. And, you know, I like watching the bobsled for like five minutes and then I'm bored. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, it's the same thing run after run. I don't really see the difference. It's it's by a second. Like, you know, I can't tell a good bobsled run from a bad unless they crash. So I, it's not really for me, you know? Yeah, I hear you. Hey, I was wondering if I could ask you a quick question. I'm unrelated. Uh, there's an article uh, that I saw in USA Today. Um, it's regarding cancel culture. And the headline says, Joe Rogan, Whoopi, Aquafina, Chappelle, none was canceled. Is this a new cultural detente? So I thought of you and I wanted to get your thoughts because especially, you know, those folks are pretty diverse ideologically and otherwise. So I wanted to get your opinion on if you've seen that maybe the tides are turning or the pendulum's shifting a little bit, particularly in the sports world. Do you have any comment on that? That's a great question. I did not read the article, but now that you have brought it to my attention, I will search for it and I will read it. So let me just ask you a follow-up before I answer it. The crux of the article was that the those that we just mentioned are not being canceled, although there was a threat of being canceled, but they've been able to persevere and make it through. And you're asking me if I feel that the pendulum is swinging in the in the good direction. Yeah, exactly. Basically, there was backlash against all of them and none of them lost their jobs. So, you know, maybe the fact that they were all over the spectrum ideologically and it kind of maybe maybe it was just evening out in yeah. that sense. And maybe it's just a society saying, like, time out, maybe let, let's take a step back. So, you know, none of them are in sports, but uh, well, you know, OK, obviously I'm going to I'm going to answer your question this way. To the best of my knowledge, and help me out if I'm wrong here, the individuals that you just mentioned bring in a ton of money for their respective businesses, correct? Um, yeah, I would say so. Okay, so they're not being canceled because of dollars and cents, right? If Fair. they weren't bringing in that kind of money to their respective companies, would they still have a job. And then I'm going to answer the question this way. When people like me and Tom Brenneman, and I had Tom Brenneman, by the way, on my podcast a couple of months ago, and Tom was very open and honest on my podcast. He said to me, he goes, hey, what happened to you is so wrong. He goes, you didn't do anything wrong. Me? Hey, I got no one to blame but myself. He's taking full ownership of it. And I'm very respectful of Tom and what he's done since making those un making that unfortunate comment over a hot mm -hmm. mic. Uh, during the Reds telecast. But, you know, as far as is the tide turning, when the Tom Brennemans of the world get a second chance and get an opportunity to work again, then I will say, yes, the tide is changing. When people like me get the opportunity to do what I was doing, then I would say, yes, the tide is turning. But there have been a lot of people like Tom, like myself, and many others who have lost their job. And again, I'm not saying that Tom shouldn't have lost his job. I thought what what he said was extremely egregious, 
And I believe that the punishment for what he said basically fit the crime, so to speak. But what I don't believe, I don't believe that he should never work again. I believe he should have the opportunity, assuming that he has tried to uh, deal with what made him make that homophobic slur, homophobic slur in the first place. Actions to me, Eli, speak louder than words. Words to me are shallow. I look at someone's actions, and based on what Tom told me on my podcast and what he has done to rectify what he said, why he said it, and moving forward, to me, his actions have spoken volumes over his words. And for that reason, I don't understand why he wouldn't get another opportunity because he is an extremely talented broadcaster. Me, and I'm not trying to be self-serving here, I don't think I did anything wrong, okay? I really don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying all lives matter, every single one. I don't think that I have anything to apologize for. So am I, but I was canceled. So am I going to get another opportunity to someday announce the NBA or what have you? And if I don't, then I will answer your question, no, I don't think things are changing. I don't think the pendulum is swinging. If the people like me, and there are many of people like me, get an opportunity, then I will say, yes, we've kind of we've kind of gone full circle. I hope that doesn't sound self-serving, but that's how I feel. No, yeah, I understand. That's uh, Hopefully it's the beginning of the tide turning. Hopefully it's the beginning yeah. of better things to come and people what like do you, you think? get I mean, a you, second chance. You read, the, you read the story. I'd love to know your opinion. What do you think? Do you think it is changing? I think I think it is t- at least slightly now because I think people are getting kind of tired of the way that things have been. And I think that it's just becoming generally – it's just becoming unpopular more and more, I think. It, I think it, it really is shifting. People don't like it. Um, and, you know, people are realizing, hey, you know, I've made mistakes in my life too. You know, we can't just go around firing everybody for their jobs. So um, especially when it, you know, starts to go after the people who were proponents of it in the first place, right? So I, I Adam do think Silver, that the tides are, yeah, yeah, Adam Silver came out before game one of the NBA finals last year after the Rachel Nichols fiasco at ESPN, and I don't believe she should have been canceled, and said that no one should lose their job over one single comment and that a person's background needs to come into the equation. And I agreed wholeheartedly with Adam Silver for saying that. I thought he was spot on with his comments. And yet, there are too many people whose careers are ending over one comment. I have been grateful for the support that I've received, both locally in the greater Sacramento area and nationally. I mean, Bill Maher, okay, on his show on HBO, has actually talked about me on two different episodes and yep. has supported me. And I just thought, I wow. love Bill Maher. Yeah, but, I watch him okay. every week. <laughs> and, and I hate to get political, but let's face it, he's always been on the left, right? He's been very liberal. And yet he stuck up for me twice. I don't know if you recall the episodes where he talked about me, but twice yep. he has brought me up and supported me and said what happened to me is wrong and that you know yep. I, I should not have been canceled. And many people that I have run into, both people I know, obviously, but many people that I don't know that didn't know anything about me when I tell them my story, they can't believe that I lost my job over six words, all lives matter, every single one. And it's this, so, so I guess what I'm saying is if someone were to hire me 
whether it is NBA team or an NHL team or what have you, they wouldn't get a backlash because just about most, the vast majority of people feel that what happened to me is wrong. So, you know, mm -hmm. companies don't have to be fearful of like hiring me because there wouldn't be a backlash. Right. No, I agree completely. And I think Bill Maher, he's somewhat more of a moderate now, I would say, but yes, I you know, think I definitely... he's moved a little bit to the middle. Yes. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I watch him all the time. I do remember those episodes. So I, I do think you're on to something as far as the Rogans of the world being really, you know, powerful and being yep. involved with dollars and cents. And for that reason, I think the independent platforms such as the one you're using now are, are so important. So, Hey, Eli, yeah. you bring up great questions, man. I love when you call. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much, Grant. Talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. He's great. I love Eli. What a great job he does uh, with his questions. Does a great job. All right, we get to uh, some more phone calls right here on Listen App, and we get to Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Hey, Grant. How you doing today, my friend? I'm well, Jerry. How are you? Good, Grant. Hey, uh, I've got a question for you. Uh, when you first started your podcast and you were saying that uh, you were on your way to work and that's when the whole uh, All Lives Matter, every single one, and, and you were called about 15, 20 minutes before and saying you weren't gonna have a show and uh, you're just gonna come on and say what you meant, this and that. And then you said that um, you talked to your wife and your wife knew what you were gonna say. Um, can you share something? <laughs> Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I was not on my way to work because that was right in the middle of the pandemic, and I was doing the show from home. Uh, oh. Okay. Both Doug and I had been doing the show. Actually, I take that back. Doug was in the studio by himself. I was at home because they didn't want people together because of the height of the pandemic back in you know May and June. All right. So I was doing the show uh, from home. Um, yes, I had talked. Um, you know, obviously I had talked a lot uh, with my wife leading up mm -hmm. to that show and, you know, she was great. Um, she said, just be Grant and speak from the heart and just tell people why you said what you said and everything is going to be fine. And I said, yes, I agree. I think everything will be fine. And I got a call at my show began at three o'clock. And I got a call at 2.40 stating that I had wow. been put on administrative leave. Uh, I had talked with Doug extensively on that Monday, June 2nd or June 1st. I had spoken extensively with the producer of our show uh, about what we were going to do. And I said to both Doug and Doug encouraged me to do this as well, uh, that, hey, just go on and speak the way you always speak and everything's going to be fine. Doug said to me via text message, he thought everything was going to be fine. I've got several messages from him saying, you're going to be fine. Just go and speak the way you always do. My producer, who's also uh, uh, African-American, uh, said the same thing to me. He said, Napes, just go and do what you always do. Uh, we all know who you are and what you're about. You're going to be fine. And I never got that opportunity. I never had a chance to speak to all the people that I've spoken with for 26 years on the same radio station. And that is the main reason why I started my podcast. That is the main reason why I started my podcast. I started my podcast so that I could talk to people like you and Eli and Jerry and everyone else. That's why I really wanted to do the podcast. And I didn't realize at the time 
how much I would enjoy doing the podcast. I just thought, okay, you know what? I'll do it. I can reach out to the fans. And then when this Listen app came available, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. wow. Now I can really interact with the fans. Now I'm like, okay, now I'm all good. So I, I wrote this down, and I'm going to read it to you, okay? So okay. I got a text message um, from my wife about, oh, I was in my broadcast room where I do the show at home. Okay. So I was alone. I was just gathering my thoughts and I was like, okay, I'm getting ready. And at about two 30, two 30, 10 minutes before I got the phone call where I thought I was going on the radio, uh, my wife texted me and she said, you speak your truth today. If it's your day, then make it count. Show everyone your love, compassion, anger about the senseless killings. I am praying your dad sits with you today and you will have peace, the right words to say, and that they will be well received. Um, What's very interesting about that is uh, my wife never met my dad. My dad passed right after we started dating. But she obviously knows everything about my father from speaking with me and others. And my dad was a civil rights uh, leader and activist. That's the way we were raised. We were raised in a Unitarian church where the first principle is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. So she knows, even though she never met my dad, what my dad meant to my upbringing and how I live my life. So I have that written down, by the way. You know, I, I didn't just like, it's interesting you brought that up because right next to my laptop, I have a bunch of things that really were important to me that I like having. And I have not read that message from my wife in a long time, but I'm glad you brought that up because she said it as well as anyone. Again, you speak your truth today. If it's your day, then make it count. Show everyone your love, compassion, anger about the senseless killings. I am praying your dad sits with you today and you will have peace, the right words to say, and that we will be well received. My dad passed in on November 2nd, uh, 2007. And I've said this, I am so glad that my dad has not been alive to see what has happened to this country and what this last couple of years has been like, because it would have broken his heart. He would have been devastated beyond belief to see what has happened in this country over the last couple of years. But as you brought up, Jerry, I didn't get that opportunity. And I still, to this day, that is my biggest regret of everything. After 26 years giving my heart and soul to that radio station, which I did, okay, for 26 years, 26 years, I built up the audience. I feel like I really put KHDK on the map. I feel like that station and Carmichael Dave in the morning and me in the afternoon, our period of time that we went through in saving the Kings with Kevin Johnson and all of the people that are fans of Sacramento, we came together as a community. We all worked together 
tirelessly. I mean, I'm so disappointed that the 30 for 30 documentary on the Kings down in the Valley was never shown because it would have just blown people away. Everything that went on behind the scenes to save the Kings with David Stern, with Kevin Johnson. And uh, it's such a shame that that never, ever was seen by the masses in Sacramento. A couple of people saw it when uh, it was shown at the Tribeca Film Festival and then at the Crest Theater. They had two or three showings before ESPN pulled the plug. But my biggest regret, even now, although I'm <clears throat> able to talk to so many people on Listen App, my biggest right. regret, Jerry, is that I didn't get that opportunity to speak to everyone because I guarantee you, guarantee you, 100%, not 95, not 98, 99. I 100% guarantee you that if I was on the air that Monday at 3 o'clock, everything would have been fine and that we would have been able to have a phenomenal four-hour discussion with phone calls and banter back and forth and that instead of just canceling me and disposing of me, we would have educated one another. We would have made the situation better People would have been able to help me. I would have been able to help them. And at the end of the day, we would have said, okay, this was a really beneficial educational show and we all became better for it. I never got that opportunity. And I really hope that Bonneville International has to pay for them firing me and disparaging me with their callous, awful comment that they put out on me five minutes after I was fired on June 2nd. Their their statement on me was reprehensible. It was disgraceful. It was disgusting. It was defamatory. I can go on and on. It was awful. Absolutely awful. And by the way, this is a company, and I encourage everyone to Google Bonneville International Leadership. Google Bonneville International Leadership and look at their leadership. And then And then let me know about the hypocritical company that is Bonneville International, right? They're firing me, okay, because they said I disparage Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 that it is, that it's not in line with their views of Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 blah. And then you look at the people that work for Bonneville International. Look at their leadership, okay? And they're, they're firing me. They made me the sacrificial lamb. They used me to say, oh, you know what? We're going to fire grandpa. Look at us. We're all about Black Lives Matter. We're all about, you know, equality. What a bunch of garbage that is. Again, Google Bonneville International Leadership. And then get back to me and let me know the real story here. It's disgraceful. Grant, do you think if anybody from that radio station would have spoke up to ownership and told them well, the kind of person that you are, that they've known you for years, your callers have listened to you for decades, you think just one person speaking up could have saved your job at that station? My general manager was speaking up for me. He knew me. I've known him for a long time. Uh, this okay. decision was not made to the best of my knowledge. Um, you know, I think it went higher up, and I'll, that's another reason why I filed the uh, lawsuit in a federal court. We're, I want my day in court. Uh, I want the truth to come out. Uh, I want people to have to speak under oath, and I want people to have to speak truthfully without perjuring themselves. And if that happens, I believe that I will prevail. And this lawsuit is not just about me. It's about for all the others, like Eli brought up, about all the other people that have been canceled in this country for just speaking what they believe in. 
I don't understand why we can't speak what we believe in. All lives matter, every single one. Think about that. Six words end somebody's career, and I get fired over it by Bonneville International, and then they put out, you know, the statement on me that was just awful. Um, again, I believe I had people speaking out for me at the radio station, but I don't know if it mattered or not. Well, Grant, that's good. I mean, and then I told you before, you know, you did nothing wrong. You know, you did nothing wrong. And what that station did to you, you know what, I hope it comes back to bottom in the ass because, I mean, uh, yes, you know what, I never heard of 1140 AM until you. So I appreciate that. Uh, Let me read the comments, by the way, for people that don't remember. This is I I was uh, fired at about, oh, 235 or 240 on Tuesday, June 2nd. Okay, here are the comments or excuse me, here's the statement that Bonneville put out and they read on the air at three o'clock on June 2nd. We were saddened by the comments Grant Napier recently made on Twitter. While we appreciate Grant's positive contributions to KHTK over the years, his recent comments about the Black Lives Matter movement do not reflect the views or values of Bonneville International Corporation. The timing of Grant's tweet was particularly insensitive. After reviewing the matter carefully, we have made the difficult decision to part ways with Grant. Then they went on and said, Bonneville's purpose is to build up, connect, inform, and celebrate communities and families. In the wake of George Floyd's tragic death and the events of the last several days, it is crucial that we communicate the tremendous respect that we have for the black community and any other groups or individuals who have cause to feel marginalized. Bonneville remains committed to fostering calm and promoting human dignity in the face of unrest. We plead for all to work together for peace and mutual respect. Yeah, go go look at Bonneville International Leadership, okay? And let me know, all right, if you feel that that is a company that remains committed to fostering calm and promoting human dignity in the face of unrest, okay? Let me know if you feel that it is crucial, as Bonneville says, that we communicate the tremendous respect that we have for the black community. Really? Go look at Bonneville International Leadership and let me know if if you see any person that does not look like me on their website. Stop me if you see anyone that is Asian, Stop if you see anyone that is Hispanic. Stop if you see anyone that is a person of color. Stop and let me know if I miss something. All right. And they have the absolute audacity and the nerve to put out that two paragraph statement, which is an absolute disgrace. And again, I encourage and I want people that are listening and I want you to tell your friends and I want you to put it on your social media platforms. I really do. I want you to put it on your social media platforms and I'll retweet it and I'll repost it. I want the word to get out. What an absolute hypocritical, ridiculous organization Bonneville International is for putting a statement out like that on me and then go look at their leadership council. It is a freaking disgrace. They are very hypocritical, Grant. And what they should have said with that statement first, they should have said, thank you, Grant, for putting us on the freaking map is what they should have said. I was out on Sunday before the Super Bowl 
with an African-American man of 65 years old. And we were waiting for pizza to be done because we were picking it up and bringing it to the party. And he knows all about my lawsuit and he knows about what I said. And but he had not. He, he started asking me questions about the lawsuit, where things stand. And I said to him, I go, Patrick, have I shown you this before? And he said, shown me what? I go, oh, I want to show you something. And I showed him the Bonneville International Leadership page. And I showed him all of the people for Bonneville's leadership. And he could not believe it. He could not believe it. Patrick owns a huge construction company. He's very successful. And he said to me, he goes, if I ran my business like that, I would be out of business. He goes, I can't believe that. I said, can you believe it, Patrick? I go, look at it again. And he looked at me and he said, that is a shame. They say one thing and they do another. And I said, yep, that's exactly right. They say one thing on a statement, but they don't back it up with their hiring practices. That is disgraceful. Disgraceful. All right, Grant. Uh, thank you for your time, sir. Have Jerry, a good night. you have a good night, too. I really appreciate it. You know what's nice is I just speak the truth here. You know, I'm not making stuff up. <laughs> you know, I'm just being as honest and as truthful as I can. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Grant. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we talk about Eli and asking me about cancer culture and the examples of people like myself that have lost their careers over a comment. But my comment was factual. My comment's a truthful comment. All lives matter. Every single one. I mean... I heard George Floyd's brother say that when Derek Chauvin was found guilty in court, right? He came out and said that. 
I saw LeBron James give a press conference. And he said that all lives matter. But I can't say all lives matter, every single one. I see. Interesting. So George Floyd's brother can come out on the steps of the courthouse and make that comment. And yet, I'm fired for it. And I'm fired by a company based out of Salt Lake City, owned by the Church of Latter-day Saints, whose leadership only has white men and white women. That's it. But not me. Nope. I can't work for that company. I have to be fired. Incredible. And they have the nerve to say it is crucial that we communicate the tremendous respect that we have for the black community. Hmm. Well, you obviously don't have the respect for the black community enough to put someone of color on your leadership council. Actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Those words from Bonneville International are hollow to me. You know what? They're hollow. Actions. The actions. Again, go look at Bonneville International Leadership. And look about the leadership of that company. And they have the absolute audacity and the nerve to say that it is crucial that we communicate the tremendous respect that we have for the black community. I have tremendous respect for the black community too. I have tremendous respect for the Asian community. I have tremendous respect for the Jewish community. I have tremendous respect for everyone if they're good people. That's why I started my foundation. I don't talk about it. I let my actions do my talking. My foundation put over 100 at-need, underprivileged children in the college. I didn't talk about it. I did it. Me and Joe Namath, not the Jets quarterback, started the foundation in the early 2000s, the future foundation of Sacramento. I had an annual golf tournament raising funds to put our children, our students, that we mentored beginning in 10th grade and mentored them through college. My golf tournament, yes, raising money every year for our students. I didn't talk about it much. I just did it. Actions speak louder than words. So Bonneville says it's crucial that we communicate the tremendous respect that we have for the black community. Well, that tremendous respect obviously doesn't filter over into your leadership group. That's for sure. Talk about hypocrisy. Talk about what's wrong in the country. I think that there's really not a better illustration of that that I can come up with. It's disgraceful. All right, hey, if you want to come on the program today, hit your hand icon, and we will do it. And by the way, I will keep you updated on any events with my lawsuit when it's pertinent for you to know. Anything that I can say publicly about it, I will. If I can't speak on it, you ask me a question, I'll just tell you I can't comment on it. But I'm happy to keep you posted on any developments 
when they become available, whether they're pertinent, and whether I am allowed to speak on it, okay? So I want you to know that. I want you to know that. And this lawsuit is not just for me. This lawsuit is for so many others out there that have been wronged, that have been wronged. And what I want is not only do I want to be vindicated, I want so many others to be vindicated as well. That's what I want. And I'm praying and I'm hoping that the course of action is the right one. And that's why I want my day in court. I want my day in court. That's what I want. And I'm really hoping that I get that day. I really, I, I want a jury. I want a jury to hear my case. I want them to hear the facts. I want them to hear the testimony. And then, whatever they decide, I will have closure regardless of which way they go. That's what I want. That's what I want. So we'll see if it happens. One day at a time, right? In the meantime, I come on, talk to you every day. I do my podcast. And we're able to talk about these issues, which I like. I love the questions that we talk about. I love some of the discussions we've had on issues that really don't have anything to do with sports. I love talking about sports, obviously, but there are a lot of other things that are pretty important, too. Pretty important, too. And the one thing that we have to fix in our country is the hypocrisy and this double standards. We can't treat people differently. We have to stop that. We have to stop that. The double standards, the hypocrisy, the the different sets of rules for different ethnicities, it's wrong. And I'll tell you what else is wrong. We don't know what the rules are anymore. You know, I think I talked about this a year ago on a podcast. It's almost like every Monday, especially those that are in the public eye and have a microphone in front of them, we almost need a rule book for that week of what we can say and what we can't say. What is now acceptable, but more importantly, what's not acceptable, but it was just a short period of time. Because the rules, and by the way, I don't know who writes these rules. I don't know who determines what is acceptable and what's not, what you can say and what you can't say. I mean, who the hell knows anymore? And who decides on these things? Do you know how many fellow broadcasters I have spoken with since I lost my job that called me up and said, man, I'm nervous to go on the air. I'm afraid of saying something that's going to be misinterpreted. I'm afraid of saying something that's going to be misconstrued and I'm going to lose my job. I had an announcer who's married to a black gal tell me that he was paranoid about going on the air and saying the wrong thing. And he's married to a black lady. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But that's the call I had, and we spoke for quite a while. And I was just like, man, how sad is that? That you got to be nervous for going on the air and saying something that's going to be misinterpreted or misconstrued. 
You know, Jack Morris makes a comment about Shohei Otani mimicking his accent. And, you know, it's like, boom, goodbye, Jack. Hall of Fame pitcher, legendary Detroit Tigers figure. And then Shohei Otani comes out and says he didn't have a problem with it. Again, we just have so much overreaction in our society. It's ridiculous. All right, Jeff, you're next. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Grant. I um. So when you when you uh, had originally come out and said that Bonneville International was the was the company and said that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are the ones that own that company, uh, as a member of that church, immediately went, wait, what? <laughs> went out, found out that was true. Um, had a phone call with my dad even to go, did you know this? Nope, had no idea. Um, and I, to this day, I still don't understand. I don't understand. As you know better than anybody, I mean, you've been doing this for how many years now? Have you actually been broadcasting? Because it's way before you were with the Kings. Well, ever since I got out of college, I started broadcasting in 1982. Officially, was my first my first job. Yeah, so a handful of years, to say the least. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. You better than anybody know the importance of language. I mean, words mean something. They really do. All words have a meaning, and, and that's how we communicate with each other. The only way that, that language works is that if we place a, you know, a word has a specific meaning. And we, uh, you know, it's, it's meme culture that we have now where everybody, everything's a joke, everything's a meme. And, and I, I appreciate that. I, you know, I, I like that type of stuff. But what I'm getting at is, for example, what does let's go Brandon mean? Well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meaning, stop right? you. I'm gonna well, stop. Uh, okay, but I'm gonna stop you for a minute. I agree that all words have meaning, but the intent of the words that you use, there are different intents. I can make a comment, okay, and it can have two completely different meanings based on the intent of what I meant it to say. In other words, if I say all lives matter, every single one, what I intended was. Let's all come together. We all are one. Let's put our arms around each other and let's stop the BS and finally come together and make our country better. However, there are other people that took that comment to mean that I was slanting and sliding Black Lives Matter. That had that my intent of my comment had no such thought, no such meaning. They didn't even enter my mind when I made those comments. So anyway, go ahead. That's my point. Why? Why to Bonneville? Why does DeMarcus Cousins get to interpret what you meant? And that's the only person that got to decide. I And, and Matt Barnes. And I, I it, it still blows my mind. And I'm not asking a question. I'm making a comment and an observation just to just to be like the frustration. I'm, I'm venting my frustration on you. So I apologize. But I, I think it's important to just kind of say to. For all of us to understand, hey, this it's so frustrating that certain people got to decide in that moment what you meant and then dictate to you what you meant and then it have it affect the rest of your life. I never had and a no chance. I, 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 and Bonneville never even asked me what I meant by the comment. I never even had that conversation with them. I didn't even have a chance to speak 
with anyone other than the station general manager at KHTK. No one from Bonneville International in Salt Lake City called me. Nobody spoke to me. Nobody even wanted to know what was going through my mind. They had already made their mind up that they were going to fire me and that they were going to use me as their sacrificial lamb to make them look good as it relates to Black Lives Matter. And again, you go to Bonneville International Leadership and they don't have one minority on their entire board. I mean, it's a disgrace. It's 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 well, a disgrace. So I'll say this much. All those, when a business makes a stand like that, the bill comes due is how I say it. Now, I'm, I'm not saying this as a threat or anything like that. And I don't know. I'm saying the bill comes due as in whenever you try and make a stand like that, you're going to see the effects at some point because it's not, Bonneville's not saying, hey, look how good we are. They're saying, hey, don't come after us. They, they think they're saying, hey, look how good we are. But in reality, what everybody else is saying, what, what everybody else sees is don't come after us. But guess what happens? They're, they're going to come after you. It's coming. And so Bonneville's going to, at some point, it's going to come back to them, not only through your lawsuit, but that the, those, those people that get to decide what you meant, they're going to come after them at some point. It, it, it happens to everybody. And I hate to say it, we, we see it happening. I don't want to bring more political bullcrap into this, but... We see it happening with like a Remington firearms company, mm-hmm. you know, that yep. settling yep. with yep. with those families. Which, again, it's one of those situations where this that that whole situation's horrifying, horrifying, and it was awful and horrible. But Remington firearms giving in in that situation, it, it's it man, it, it it doesn't look good. It doesn't. It's not. It's not right. It you know, but. Again, the bill comes due, and it's yep. going to come due to Remington as well. You know, gosh. Well, I, I really appreciate I really appreciate you asking the question that you did and the discussion that we're having because, you know what, you're one hundred percent spot on. Absolutely one one hundred percent spot on. Well, Grant, I yeah, it as soon as yeah, I, I there's some frustration there, especially with a with a, a it's the forearm. Or the forearm, the forearm, geez. the for-profit side of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, and to see them uh, making decisions like that and, and, and doing stuff like they did is disturbing to say the least. So I, you know, I, I hope it's one of those things where you can uh, separate the those business people from the members of the church that are just trying to be good people. Yeah. And listen, I don't have any, listen, I don't want this to make it seem like I have anything against, you know, the Mormon church. I I don't, I I, I don't. All right. So I don't want it. I don't want it to sound like that. I, my, my issue is with Bonneville international and the people that made this decision and the fact that they use me as the sacrificial lamb, as you said, they fired me so that, People wouldn't come after them. They they took the easy way out. Instead of doing what was right, they didn't want to do what's right. They wanted to just fold up, take the easy way out, and wash their hands of it. And they thought, okay, we'll fire Grant. We'll wash our hands of it. And now we won't have to worry about anything. Well, good luck, sir. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Hey, I really appreciate it. It's a great phone call right there. I love this show. I really do. I love doing this show. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. All right, if you want to call up... Uh, Hit your hand icon, and we will do it. Great, great show today, man. I love this. I really do. So nice to be able to talk about, you know, important issues and hypocrisy and double standards and 
again, I just think the vast majority of people in this country see it, understand it, and want it fixed, want it better, right? Want it better. And it's I, I hope, you know, as Eli said in that article in USA Today, I hope he's right. And even if even if I don't end up working again in the field that I really want to, but it helps out others, then I'm fine. Then I'm okay. But I want to prevail in my lawsuit to give others optimism and hope that when they're canceled for what appears to be something that is not worthy of being canceled, that they have the courage to stand up and fight for what is right. Because that's what I'm doing. All right? I'm, I'm doing this not only for myself, but for many others. And I know that if I win my lawsuit, that I'm going to be on a lot of national stages, national shows. A lot of people are going to want to interview me. And you know what? Then I can speak up for everyone else. And I can help others. And I can do what's right in this situation. And right now, I've got my audience in Sacramento. I've got my podcast. I've got No Filter Network. But I know if I prevail in this lawsuit, I'm going to be on a national stage. I'm going to be on a lot of national news programs. And trust me, it will be a great day for me to help out so many others because that's what I want to do. All right, again, uh, don't forget tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Friday, 3 o'clock. You know, I, I put it on the page open forum Wednesday. I would have just put that every day, right? We would have just, you should just know and pass the word along to your friends and others that, you know, this is what we're doing and we can talk about anything. I love talking about sports. I really do, but there are other important things that we can talk about as well. And there are going to be a lot of other issues, you know, that continue to come up in addition to sports. And if we can have great conversation here, then I, I'm all for that. Clayton, you're next. Hello, Clayton. Hey, how's it going? Um, thanks for taking my call. I just had a quick question. If uh, if you had the jury trial, where would it take place? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it would take place in Sacramento. But I, I, I mean, I assume okay. uh, we filed it in federal district court. But I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm assuming so. Okay. And is there any Anything like, else? timeline for, yep. uh, yeah, is there like a timeline? Like, could this be like, could we be seeing the trial like in two years from now? Or do you think earlier than that? That's a fabulous question, Clayton. And I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. I can only tell you that when I get information, uh, I will pass it on. But I don't know the answer to that question. I know that these things normally take longer than shorter, okay. but I don't know for sure. I really don't. I wish I knew, Clayton. And if I knew, I would love to tell you. I would love to tell myself, too. I would love to know what the timetable is, but I just don't know. Okay, Grant. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Hey, Clayton. Have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, as far as the court system goes, I, I really, I really don't know. I really don't. But I do want this to go 
to a jury trial. That's what I'm hoping for. I really am. That would be my wish. All right, so tomorrow, 3 o'clock, good show today. Again, I need you to do me a favor. Pass the word along. And I also want you to do this as well. When you get a minute, I want you to Google Bonneville International Leadership and look at their leadership. All right? I want you to look at that. And if you want to put it on social media, go ahead. I'll retweet it. I'll repost it, whatever. I've done it already, but I want I want you to do it. I only want you to do it if you feel that it's the right thing to do. But go look at it. Go look at their leadership council. Bonneville International Leadership. And then let me know. All right. Hey, tomorrow, back with you at 3 o'clock. Really good show today. Loved it. Thank you so much for everything. Have a great night. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow right Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.